You're listening to the Good Samaritan Anglican Church Podcast. The following sermon was recorded on October 28th, 2018. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. About this we have much to say and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, Let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings and laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So one Sunday, a number of years ago, we were loading our family into the car after church. We had had a a wonderful service together. And we were getting ready to go home, and uh, we were tired. We were planting a church, and this was in the late afternoon on a Sunday, so it was not a a normal time for church to most of us. We got in the car, and there was chaos, and the kids were hungry, and so we were getting them all into their seats in the busyness of that. And I I did one last seatbelt check to make sure everybody had their seatbelts on, and then I stepped on the gas pedal, and the car went backwards into the car behind me. Not a, not a good situation. Now, thankfully, uh, the car behind me happened to belong to a friend of mine, and thankfully, when I stepped on the gas pedal, I did so gently, and so it didn't go very fast at all into my friend's bumper, and there was just the, the tiniest little bit of a scratch there. But it could have been a, a pretty disastrous situation. And so it, it taught me a really important principle in life, which I think you can get as well, and that's that when you are trying to leave your parking space from a parallel parking situation, you should always go forward and never in reverse. 
right? Pretty important life lesson. And it's the same with our Christian faith. As Christians, it's important for us always to be going forward and not to be going in reverse, not to going, be going backwards in our faith. And so the book of Hebrews today talks a little bit about this, about uh, the importance of moving forward and of not going backwards, not returning to the way you used to be, but moving forward into who God is calling you to be. And for some background, the letter to the Hebrews was written for the specific purpose of addressing a group of Jewish Christians who were considering going back to their Jewish roots and leaving Christ because of persecution. And this was a temptation for them. They had been cast out of their synagogues in many cases. They were facing persecution of various kinds. And they were saying, is this really worth it? Is it really worth it for us to follow Christ and face all of these persecutions? Wouldn't it be better if we went back? Wouldn't it be better if we just embraced the synagogue and, and the law and the old ways of teaching? That would be a lot easier for us. And you can almost hear echoes in that of their Hebrew ancestors many years before as they were coming out of slavery and finding themselves in the wilderness and saying, wouldn't it be better if we were back in Egypt and still slaves and then at least we'd have some garlic and leeks to eat instead of this manna? There's this dissatisfaction that you can find in this letter. And so this, this whole letter to the Hebrews was written to convince them that that's not the right way to go. That they don't want to go backwards to the life that they lived previously. They want to move forward in Christ into the hope that they found in him and into the fullness of that hope. So as we look at this letter, we can start in the end of chapter 5. And the writer says this. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic or the elementary principles of God. And the word elementary here is the same word that we use for elementary school, the, the school where we learn the basics. As Christians, we're not to stay in that basic place. We're to move on. We're not to stay eating milk as infants do. We're to start eating solid food, food that can nourish us more completely as we grow into mature adults. Milk is exactly what you need when you're a baby. It's a, a complete food. It provides all the nutrition a baby needs for that first year of their life. But after that, a baby needs to start eating something else or they're going to be deficient in all kinds of things. And it's the same with a Christian. Christians need to start out with the basics. They need to have a basic rudimentary understanding of the faith, of what Jesus did for us, of the things that he spoke of in, in the previous chapter where Jesus is this high priest who offers himself on our behalf as a sacrifice for sins and reconciles us to the Father, the one true and perfect sacrifice. But we need to move beyond that. Not that we leave it behind, but we need to move into the fullness of that. And we need to be teachers, it says. Now, not all of us have the gift of teaching. Not all are called to be in a classroom setting teaching lots of people. But all of us are called to teach others the faith. To pass down the things that we have heard 
so that others can embrace them too. John Maxwell, who's a a Christian pastor as well as a a great leadership teacher, he's written a lot of uh, books on leadership, which a lot of secular people read uh, thinking they're just good secular books on leadership, but there's the gospel kind of snuck in there. Um, He says, you never really know something until you teach it to someone else. You never really know something until you teach it to someone else. And if you've ever tried teaching something to someone else, you know that it, it shows you all the things you don't know about the thing that you thought you knew. Because when you do it yourself, you've figured out how you do it, you've, you've figured out uh, all the ways you do it. But Albert Einstein uh, was, I don't know if he said it or not, but it was attributed to him, uh, you don't really know something until you can teach it to a six-year-old or until you can teach it to your grandmother. There are different ways that, that people remember this quote. But that's really true. Um, until we know something so completely that we can pass that knowledge on to someone else, we don't really know it completely. There's more learning that we need to do. And that's what this, le- this letter is saying here. It's saying that as you learn these basic principles, you need to be ready to teach them to other people. And yet he's saying, but you guys, you aren't ready for that yet. We need to go over these, these elementary things yet again. It's as if you're in kindergarten and you just keep learning your ABCs over and over and over again. ABCs are important. I use them every day. I figure out what the the sounds of the letters are by looking at them and I put words together. But if that's all I knew about reading, I'd be in big trouble at this stage in my life. And it's the same with our faith. We need to learn those basic things and use them as a foundation, which is what it says here. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works in 6.1. We don't want to lay that foundation over and over and over again, but we do want to build on that foundation. And those basic elementary principles never cease to be true, but they're the foundation and they need to be built upon. So how comfortable would you be in teaching the faith to someone else. Not necessarily the complicated things, but just the basics. The basics of salvation, the basics of who Jesus is and what he came to do, and how that applies to each of us. How comfortable would you be in teaching that to someone else? And if you're not comfortable teaching that to someone else, why not? What is it in you that needs to grow a little bit more? so that you're ready to do that, so that you can become teachers, not rehashing the elementary things over and over again, but being able to move on into solid food in your faith. So the author says, leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith in God. When we do this, as I said, we're not leaving those elementary doctrines behind. We're building on them, building up our faith. And so he goes on to talk about what some of these elementary doctrines are. First of all, a foundation that talks about repentance from dead works and faith towards God. The Hebrew believers had formerly relied on the law for their salvation. They had relied on their own works earning their way into God's favor. And of course, we know from 
lots of pieces of the New Testament that it's impossible to earn your way into God's favor because our debt of sin is so great that there's nothing we could ever do to repay it. We need a Savior to step in and be righteous for us and to give us his righteousness. That's what Jesus did for us. And there's faith in God as well. And it's that faith which saves us, not those dead works. And so the author is saying, don't go back to those old things. Don't go back to the dead works. Embrace the faith that you found in Christ. And then of instruction about washings and laying on of hands. And this relates to the sacraments of baptism and confirmation. These were were two things that had a place in the Jewish tradition. They had ritual washings that they went through, especially when they were going into the temple. They would wash in certain ways, or before and after meals, they would wash in certain ways. So washing wasn't a foreign concept to them. But baptism, which is a single washing once in your life, that was unique. Because again, it's not about doing these things over and over again. It's about the salvation that we found in Jesus and the sacrifice he made once for all upon the cross. And so it's not about going and doing these things over and over again. It's about digging deep into that faith, recognizing that what you were is not what you are now. And confirmation with the laying on of hands. Those two things used to go hand in hand as someone was baptized and brought into the faith. They would be baptized in the water and they'd have hands laid upon them by the leaders of the church. And that was the the completion of their their initiation, their welcoming into the Christian church. And then of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Because our faith is not just for right now. The things that we believe now, the way we put our trust in Jesus now, has eternal implications in the resurrection and the judgment. And so we need not forget those things. They're important and we need to have them in our minds always. So instead of going on to maturity, these believers seem to be stuck in these basic elementary doctrines, still rehearsing them over and over again, still testing them to see whether they're true, unable to move forward. And if we go back to our car metaphor, it's kind of like they're stuck in park. My car last year, uh, I was trying to, to leave the office and go home and I, I went to, to take it out of park and put it into, in this case, it was reverse. Uh, that was a good thing there because I was backing out of the parking space. And my stick would not move. It was stuck in park. It wouldn't go anywhere. And that's what we are if we stay in those elementary doctrines and just rehearse them over and over again. We're Christians, sure. We're saved by faith in Christ, sure. But there's more that God wants us to do. There's more he wants us to learn. There's more that he wants us to grow into. And we can't do that if our stick is stuck in park mode. We have to get it into drive so that we can move forward. And some of them even seem to be moving backwards. Some of these Hebrew believers seem to be moving backwards. And that's where he goes next. All of us move backwards in our faith from time to time. If that's ever happened to you, if that's happening to you now, it's normal. I'm not saying it's good, but it's normal. And it's something that all of us have experienced. And so when we're in those places, maybe you've slipped into a period of spiritual stagnation. And maybe life gets busy and you neglect to spend time in prayer and reading the scriptures. 
Or maybe you've gone through periods where you're not faithful in participating in the body of Christ, the church. Or maybe you've had some kind of a health crisis that's causing you to have doubts in your faith. Or some other crisis that's causing you to have doubts in your faith. And everybody has doubts from time to time, too. That's normal, too. And so if you're in that place, there's hope. And you're not alone. But God doesn't want you to stay there. He's always calling you back into himself. He's always calling you back into Christian maturity, into the fullness of the blessings that he has for you. But the author of this letter goes on to describe something that looks a lot more like severe apostasy. Not not that mild form of, of moving backwards in your faith a little bit, Because when you do those things, you haven't really lost your faith. You haven't really abandoned the gospel. If you missed having your prayer time for a couple weeks in a row, that's not a good thing, but you're not an apostate at that point. And what the author of the Hebrew letter to the Hebrews here is talking about is someone who's gone to a severe place of apostasy. Beginning in verse 4 of chapter 6, For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. That's a severe place to be and it has severe consequences. This is a a verse or a couple of verses that have been very troubling to people over the years, both to lay people and to theologians alike. And it's caused much worry to people who sit back and they think, well, is that me? Have I fallen away so much at some point in my life that there's no hope for me? That there's no way I can find salvation in Christ? And it causes concern. Now, the thing is, if you have that worry, I don't think you're so far gone that you're unavailable to the salvation of Jesus. Because if you have that worry, you haven't fallen so far away that you're in that dark, dark place. But that dark, dark place is real. And this author is not saying that this is a theoretical reality, but that it's something that really could happen to some real people. And maybe it already has happened. Maybe even to some people that they knew. And maybe you know someone in this category. But again, we're not talking about a simple lapse of faith, not talking about occasional doubts, not talking about missing your quiet time for a couple weeks or even months or even years. Perhaps you've not gone to church for a while. We're not talking about that. One commentator says, we're not here dealing with the sincere believer who is depressed about his spiritual failure or the backslider who has temporarily lost interest in the things of God. We are here confronted with the fierce opposition to Christ and his gospel, public rebellion against Christian things, and a determination to bring Christ's work to an end. Now, why someone in that place, why couldn't they return to Christ? And the reason is that if you have rejected Christ in that way, if you've turned away from the Holy Spirit in that way, then you have actually rejected the source of what can turn you to Christ. 
because we can't turn to Christ in our own strength. We need the grace of God working in us by his Holy Spirit to bring us into that place. And so if you reject the source of your salvation, you are indeed in great peril because you've rejected the very one who can draw you back to God. But it's never our place as Christians to judge whether someone has fallen this far. We can always pray for God's mercy on such a person, asking that their hearts would soften and that they would return. Because none of us know whether someone is in that place. None of us know whether someone is so far gone that there's no hope for them. And so we must always be praying for them, must always be reaching out to them, must always be asking God to soften their hearts that they might find the hope that we've found in him. But the author here is certain that the believers to whom he is writing don't fall into this category. He says, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. And so what he's trying to do here is is say, this is a real danger. And if you decide to turn away from this faith, if you decide to walk away from Christ and go back to a faith that's dependent on your works according to the law, if you decide to persecute Christians, if you decide to try and bring down the church and the work of Christ in the world, there is a real spiritual peril that you're falling into. So don't go there. But I'm confident that you're not there. That's what he says. And I too feel certain as I look out among all of you that none of you are in that place either. If you were, you probably wouldn't be sitting here on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. These verses are here as a warning to us and to any who might consider turning away. As it says earlier in Hebrews in chapter 2, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And then down in verse 3, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? We need to tune our ears to hear God's voice. We need to deepen our faith by reading his word. We need to move beyond the elementary doctrines of Christ into spiritual maturity, away from milk and into solid food. So let us not be those who go backwards or even fall away. Let us instead move forward in the faith, moving beyond spiritual milk to eat spiritual meat and turning around to teach those who are younger in the faith the things that we ourselves have learned. And let us all set our eyes on the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness and to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. May we all be those who inherit the promises, moving on from strength to strength into the fullness of what God has to offer for us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that Jesus is our great High Priest. 
and that he was willing to offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins. We thank you for that elementary foundation of our faith, Lord. Help us to delight in it each and every day, and help us to build on it, moving from strength to strength into the maturity that you call us into. Help us to teach those who come behind us, building them up to maturity as well. And help us to endure, to run with patience the race that you have set before us, and to take our place around your throne with all the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a production of Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg, Florida. For more sermons, sermon notes, and information about our congregation, please visit www.goodsamaritananglican.org sermons. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please subscribe and leave us a review with your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. God bless you.